Pastor Eric's going to share the word this morning, and uh, before he shares, I wanted to just um, publicly um, say thank you to this couple because of all that they've done. So, um, I mean, gosh, through the transition, we've been here now since October, and these two have been through the whole transition and uh, held Children's Church together, been serving every other month in there full time, um, preaching when needed, and just being a pastor and staff, and I appreciate you guys so much, and I just want to say in front of everybody, and because I know you guys are with me on this, thank you guys so much for standing in the gap, staying strong, and being, it's a, to me, you guys are two, just pillars of the church. You guys are the steady ones that people can rely on, that they can lean on in times of need, and I just, I'm proud of them, aren't you guys? You guys, are you guys with me? So, Nothing big, but I, and I, I hope you guys like Starbucks, but I got you a couple Starbucks cards. I'm getting each one because I know if I gave them to him or her, vice versa, they might not see the other one, you know. My wife does that to me all the time, so I want to make sure that you get a card. Enjoy that. We love you guys. Give them another hand of applause, guys. I think I tapped the right button. I did. Uh, when Doug originally asked me to speak, and he says, we're on this series of, of worship, and, and uh, by the way, he's been doing an awesome job of just opening up different methods and different approaches and different pieces of worship. Um, and he says, I really want you to preach on worship, too. And I said, well, you know, right now, you know, initially, and I, I remember the conversation, I said, one of the things that, that for me, sometimes worship is just that silent moment with God. It's that be still and know that I am God. So I thought I was going to be preaching on that, but I'm not. <laughs> you thought I was going to be preaching on that. Well, I'm not. Is this thing? It does move. Yeah. I am preaching on worship. Is that Okay. Alright. <clears throat> and Chris and worship team, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, excellent, excellent. Um, in, in, in fact, when I'm done preaching today, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. I think it's going to fit where I'm at. So if you would, please. Alright. People, we... You and I were created to worship God. That's our purpose. But, but what does that mean? What, what is worship? And, and we've been talking a lot about that. And, and, and what I have found, um, <clears throat> many churches, and the rivers is one of them, if someone refers to worship or the worship team or the worship leader, they're referring to that time of singing in the service. And, and the musicians that lead us and the music, music team leader. Maybe for you, because of your past, because of where you come from, when you think of worship, you think of some huge mass of people bowing down to some idol or to, to some ruler. Maybe you think of chanting your way through certain church rituals or maybe for you taking communion or, or whatever other church ritual you were raised with in your life. 
Let's read this short passage. I got to get this thing turned the right direction. This is going to work. If I go the right direction, it's going to work. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I'm reading from the NIV. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And like Pastor Doug, I like to look at different versions whenever I'm preparing and digging through the word. I love the Amplified. It's very... Amplified, amplified yes. <laughs> it is. <laughs> And, and it can kind of, it, it, it's not smooth reading. You got to take a little time. So let's take a look at this. Here's the amplified version. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies. And then they put it in brackets, which means that's, they're going to explain a little deeper. They're going to say what that, what that original word means a little deeper. Dedicating all of yourselves set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your, your rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. Hmm. And do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs. Wow, back when that was written, they said that? I thought that was a common thing today. Isn't it? Uh-huh. But be transformed and progressively changed. Oh, wait a minute. It's not all going to happen like that. Any longer with its, uh, as you mature spiritually. So in other words, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mature as I'm in this walk with Christ. By the renewing of your mind, which means focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes. So that you may prove, who you're proving it to? Yourself. Oh, I found that interesting. I thought, well, I got to prove it to everybody. No. So that I can prove to myself what the will of God is. That which is good and acceptable and perfect. In his plan and purpose for who? For everybody else? For you. So there's a lot of tidbits in there that are just wonderful. One of the first things I notice in this passage, and you're going to notice it as well because I'm going to point it out, <laughs> is that our worship is the response to God. In view of God's mercy, the scripture says worship. Amen. Paul has spent the first 11 chapters of Romans explaining how God has, has rescued us from, from guilt and the, the penalty and power of sin. He's, he's told us that it is only through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross that we can be forgiven. Amen and hallelujah. And he's told us that we don't deserve God's love, but in, in spite of ourselves, 
God has been incredibly merciful. And so in view of this mercy, this amazing grace, we worship our great God. There ought to be more than one saying yes to that. God always takes the first step, doesn't he? He he took the first step in creating us. And he's taken the the first step in saving us through his beloved son. Uh, Our worship, whatever our worship is, and we still haven't fully worked that out, is a response to the mercy God has shown us. You see, God saved us from something. From slavery to sin. From the consequences of our own disobedience. We, We earned it, but... He saved us from it, from judgment and ultimately from hell. But he's also saved us to something. And that something is worship. He saved us to worship him. That is our purpose and that is his purpose in saving us. But to answer our initial question, what is worship? The answer is both simple and yet it's incredibly complex. Here's the simplest and, and most succinct definition I can give you for worship. Worship is or should be everything I do. Wait a minute. Isn't worship what we do here with the song going and and raising our hands and clapping and shouting? Yeah. That's part of it. It's everything. Is it taking part in the church service here each week? Yeah. Is Is it... Singing here with the Rivers worship team? Yes. Is it getting up and having breakfast and going to work every day? Yes. At least it ought to be. I think we have some people who are struggling with when worship happens. In response to God's mercy, we should offer We are to offer ourselves, our bodies, as living sacrifices. And this is our spiritual act of worship. This is what it's saying right here in this verse. This is God's word. When you make a sacrifice, you give up something, don't you? Any of you guys sacrifice watching March Madness this morning so you could be here? (laughs) Yeah. Some of you are going like, what the heck is March Madness? It's basketball, college basketball. Yeah. <laughs> so, so when we make a sacrifice, we give something up. And we don't like to give stuff up, do we? Oh, we live in a society. We live in a day and age. And guess what? When you go back through history, so did everybody else. That, that we don't like to give up stuff. It's... it's But people, that's the very nature of sacrifice is giving up. It's a serious, costly gift that we give back to our Lord. It's important. 
Paul deliberately uses language here in Romans 12 that, that reminds us once again of the gift of God. The Father offered the body of Jesus as what? As our sacrifice. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And in view of that, we are to offer our bodies. All right, that makes sense, doesn't it? But wait a minute. Pastor, I don't want to do that. <laughs> this is what the God says. This is what we're supposed to do. We give ourselves up. We surrender ourselves utterly and completely. And we say to God, I'm going to give the control of my life, the purpose of my life, fully to you. That's what Jesus means when he says that unless we take up our cross and follow him, we cannot be his disciples. Unless we give ourselves totally, people, what I find here to be truth is that we're not truly, fully people of God. Ouch. I want it just a little bit, Pastor. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Unless we give ourselves totally, we are not doing what God has called us to do. And, and I know it's a pretty big order, and, and we still like to hold on to some things in our life, and, and that makes it so hard for us. We struggle with it. And so we've, we devise ways around it, don't we? <laughs> yeah. We make deals with God. How's that work for you? Yeah. I make a deal, but it's not with God. It's I make a deal with myself and pretend God agreed. The problem we have here is we often try to compartmentalize our lives, don't we? And, and we give portions of ourselves to each segment of our life. I, I, I go to church once a week, maybe a Bible study, maybe I spend 15 minutes each day reading God's word and praying, and that's my worship. And then over here, I have my career. And over here, I have my family. And over here, I have my social life. Because I don't want to bring that church stuff, that worship stuff, into all of those areas. Because it messes them up. It changes them. See, God wants everything. He wants to be invited into every part of your life. He wants your worship to extend into every compartment that you can possibly think of and create in your life. He wants surrounded. He wants to surround you. Everything. Everything that touches you. Everything that goes through your head. Everything that enters your eyes. Everything that enters your ears. And everything that comes out of your mouth. Oh, wait a minute. We were okay until we got there. <laughs> uh-huh. I know. Oh. Have you ever been around someone who would, would, would give a lot of the right answers during a Bible study, and, and they would pray with you, and they would say they were committed to, to Jesus, but literally with the very next breath out of their body, they would tell you how much they hate somebody? Or, or how they cheated on their taxes and you ought to do it too? Yeah. Uh, or 
Confessions, good for the soul. <clears throat> or, or you know what? You can fill in the blank. You can fill in the blank. Some compartmentalization it can be so abrupt and so stark that the hypocrisy of it just slaps you upside the head. Within this compartmentalization, worship for these people is finished as soon as the person says amen. It just is that stark. It's just like, oh, it's over for you. And what about the rest of... But hang on a minute. Our hypocrisy, yours and mine, might not be so abrupt. It might not be so in your face. But it's probably still there. Yeah, I thought. Crickets. Mm -hmm. Do we walk out of church and stop being Christians until we walk back in the next week? I hope not. But remember, God wants all of our lives. And, and, and you don't have to have a certain job. You don't have to be a, a pastor vocationally. You can bake bread for the Lord. Did you know that? I've known people who do and do it well. You can turn a wrench for the Lord. You can change diapers for the Lord. You can be retired for the Lord. Have a look at this verse, Colossians 3, 23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. My wife's already told me that I meddled when I went to this one. So, sorry, honey. My hope is that as we grasp this truth that we, we will go back to work or to school or to, to home tomorrow or even later today doing the same things that we've been doing for 5 or 10 or 20 years, but this time we will intentionally do it for God. Having an attitude like that can change. It can, it can turn the, the mundane, trivial things that don't seem to mean a lot into worship. God, I'm going to take out the garbage for you. Oh, and the house is going to smell better. <laughs> I'm going to teach that rowdy class of sixth graders for you. Come on now. What grade are you teaching right now? That's good preaching. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> good I'm going to wash those dishes for you. I'm going to deliver that mail for you, God. <laughs> you see, that's, that's the attitude of worship that, that we need, that we are supposed to have, that God wants us to have. And if we have that attitude, it's, it's going to transform the way we go about daily business. And if we're, if we're doing everything as, as working for the Lord, aren't we going to be doing things God's way? Not the way of the world. Yes. Aren't we going to be looking for opportunities to, to serve and, and to witness and to, to, to all those that we work with and to all those that we socialize with or even to those who are serving us by checking things out at the grocery store? It changes things. 
Aren't we going to make sure that we are completely, completely scrupulous and honest and disciplined? Aren't we going to avoid the gossip and the slander that we know dishonors God? And people, I am sorry to have to say many of us can't even get out the doors of the church without doing that. That is a sin that we do in the church way too much. Look back at me, with me, to Romans 12, 2, the second verse of our passage today. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. People, in order to worship, we need to be transformed. And by the way, if you haven't caught it yet on the notes, if there's a line there and there's an underline up there, that's where that blank is. I know most of you guys have got it, but just in case. We need to leave behind the self-worshipping that is the easy norm. Oh, wait a minute. Did I just say that we self-worship? I did. You see, that, that easy norm, that self-worshipping, that is the pattern of our world. And, and, and surrendering our whole selves, loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, all of the time, that is what God is calling us to. That is what he's expecting of his children. You have expectations of your children, right? This is one that God has of us as his children. We are made for worship. That is our purpose. Our, our, our brains are hardwired to be devoted to something. But the problem is, is we don't always worship God. We, we follow the patterns of the world and we devote our bodies to everything. So the question comes is, what are you worshiping? Hmm. It's whatever you're giving your primary attention to, people. Whatever you've, you'd sacrifice the most for. Now, in, in, in that case, some of us worship our career, don't we? Yeah. You may worship your career, and, and if honest, you're, you're living for that job. Oh, that's a beast of a burden. Some of us are worshiping the making of money or we're worshiping retirement or some of us are worshiping pleasure. Some of us are worshiping sex. Some of us are worshiping another person who so dominates uh, our lives, uh, our, our total attention, our affection, our ability goes to, to that person only and we're deflected away from Christ, God. Some of us are worshiping our family. Ouch. You know, family's a good thing. But make sure you're worshiping God as you deal with your family. Or let me really, really meddle here. How many of us worship that device that every time it makes a noise or vibrates, we have to respond to it? Uh-oh. <laughs> 
What, 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 what? <laughs> I, I think there's some excuses coming. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Oh, let me tell you something. (laughs) 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 Who created them? Oh, 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 oh. we're going to have a debate right here. Uh, mm. (laughs) Let me tell you something, though. The greatest temptation of your life and the worst sin you could possibly commit is the temptation to worship something other than God. It's the number one problem in your life because it is the root behind every other sin. Ouch. The Bible calls it idolatry. And when when we worship something that is created rather than worshiping the creator, it's idolatry. And people, we are all guilty of it. In Romans 1, Paul gives a startling description of the world. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Amen. Oh, Paul. Paul went to Madeline. And you know what? I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I'm, I'm not making any images of birds or anything else and worshiping that, so I'm cool. I'm not bad like them. Mm-hmm. But Paul's just pointed out... <laughs> These as examples, not the complete list of what we may worship. He is describing how we humans take other things and we worship them. The point is that last sentence. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. That's the point. That's what Paul was trying to say here. Mm. That's the thinking of this world from which we need to be transformed. Worshiping created things. And remember, worship isn't just bowing down to statues. It's, It's whatever we live for. It's what we invest ourselves and our resources into. Ultimately, living for anything other than God is what? Paul said it. He said it's futile. Futile. People, it's a lie. As we've just read there in Romans 1. We are made to worship. We are made to worship God. We, we can try to replace God with, with all manner of things but ultimately they don't provide us with the purpose, the meaning of fulfillment, which we all so desperately desire. 
I'm sure you know people who have tried to find purpose in earning money. Mm-hmm. Or, or raising their family or, or whatever it is for them. And, and yet, the, they've all seen it come crashing down. I'm fascinated by the people I run into in my work that have been very rich people and now they're struggling. It comes crashing down. I've seen people through the years that focused in on their family and then there was a family feud and forget it. It came crashing down. It does. And you might know people who seem to be so, so worldly successful but they end up depressed because they just can't find the meaning in life that they're looking for. Guess where that meaning is found? Oh, you don't have to guess. <laughs> you know. Jesus. Augustine said this, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you, oh God. Hmm. In the end, you and I, we cannot find fully satisfactory meaning in anything or anyone else other than the Lord. You can worship in the cult of self all you want. But it won't bring you fulfillment. It won't bring you purpose because it's not what you were created for. You were created to worship the Creator. So we've seen some genuine worship is, is, is a lifestyle. And it's offering ourselves and all that is us as living sacrifices. And having our minds transformed, it's everything. But we have got to know what we're worshiping. Pastor Doug, you, 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 you went there and stomped on some of it already the earlier today, and I'm glad. You see, we live in a culture where people feel free to create their own God, to suit their own opinions and their own temptations. Look at John 4, 1924, as I read with you. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we are, that we must worship is in Jerusalem. And Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Amen. The Samaritans and the Jews, they didn't get along too well. In fact, they kind of hated each other. They didn't associate with each other. They didn't hang out. They didn't go bowling or have a pizza party together. <laughs> and yet Jesus, who comes of Jewish lineage, 
goes and he strikes up a conversation. He approaches this lone Samaritan woman who it turns out is living in an adulterous relationship. And the Samaritans said that you must worship on Mount Gerizim and in Samaria, but the Jews said that it had to be in Jerusalem at the temple. And so, you know, they had a difference of opinion. That happens often. (laughs) The Samaritans even worshipped what they did not know because they had rejected most of the Old Testament. But Jesus comes along and he shatters all those misconceptions and in doing so, some very significant things about worship come forth. The first thing that Jesus teaches us here is that worship isn't about going to a particular place. And I think we've already covered this when we said that worship is a lifestyle. But, but it's amazing how many people think that they have to go inside the church building to be able to worship God. And Jesus says to the woman, you, you don't have to be on Mount Gerizim, or, or do you, nor do you have to be on Mount Zion. God isn't restricted geographically. Instead, a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers, oh, did I miss one back there? Yeah, I did. Worship isn't about going to a particular place. Worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Spirit and truth. We worship God with our whole heart and the power of the Holy Spirit. It's no longer about rituals. It's no longer about uh, the, the, the sacrifices you might bring here. In fact, it never was. Sorry to burst any bubbles. But God is not automatically impressed when we recite the Apostles' Creed or the Lord's Prayer or when we take communion. That's for us, not for Him. What He's impressed by is genuine love for Him, a heart that is devoted to Him. But it's not some blind, mindless devotion. We must worship in truth. If, if we try to worship God in, in ways other than the ways that he has told us, or, or if we try to, to make God out to be something he's not, or if, if we live in a way that God hates, but try to convince ourselves and others that it's all right, if we do that, then God will spit us out. Wait a minute, where'd you find that? He won't be pleased. Oh, I didn't get it in there. But I can read it to you. Revelations 3, 16. So because you are lukewarm, that means you're neither over here nor over here, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Hmm. I don't like, know about you, I don't like to even see somebody else spit something out. I don't want to be the spit. You might know the sort of person I'm talking about. You might even be one of them. They genuinely think they are worshiping God, but they're not worshiping the God of the Bible. 
They're not worshiping the God who has revealed himself through the Lord Jesus Christ. They, they might think they're worshiping God with all their heart, but they're worshiping a lie, a, a, a sort of choose-your-own-adventure God that they've concocted all for themselves because they like to think of God as fill-in-the-blank. I've had more than one conversations with various people through the years about sex outside of marriage because the person was sleeping with their significant other outside of marriage. And I try to, to show them what the Bible says and, and, and way too often their response, they say, well, I, I don't think of God that way. I think of God as someone who would bless people because they love each other. <laughs> people if we take nothing else if you take nothing else from this message today please remember oh you gotta go the right direction God is the author of what is truth not you or me stamp it on your forehead Put it on a note on your mirror, wherever. People, we need to remember this. We need to live by this. God is the author of what the truth is, not us. Oh, we live in a day where we try to rationalize it away, don't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Truth is not based on what you choose to believe or decide to think about God. It is based on what God thinks and knows about himself and what God thinks and knows about you. That's where truth is. It's our job to discover that. We don't decide what the truth is. God does. We're not the authority we want to make ourselves out to be. Oh, I'm sorry, but we're not. And in order to offer up ourselves as sacrifice that truly please God, we need to worship him with our whole heart, with our whole lives, and we need to worship in truth, not in partial truth. We're not the decider. We are not the creators of truth. We need to worship the real God and follow his real commands. What he says, not what we decide. Pastor, you were right spot on when you were in here this morning. <laughs> and that goes for every one of us. Now, it's easy for us to kind of think of, well, you know, those Muslims, they ain't got it, so... Yeah, this goes for the Muslims. Well, it doesn't, it, it goes for the Buddhists because they're not living in truth and don't understand it. And it goes for the Jews because they've chosen to, to not accept, at least most of them have not chosen to accept the, the, the reality of Christ and his salvation. But people, it goes for each of us, Christians, who just want to change that little command or that little truth about God because it doesn't quite fit into my image of what I think it should be. We need to worship in spirit and in truth. We are made to worship him, our creator, and that means surrendering our whole life. Worship isn't just some emotional response to music. 
It isn't performing rituals. It isn't genuflecting before a crucifix. It is giving our bodies as living sacrifices to the one who has saved us. And so the challenge for us all this week is to do everything for the Lord. Are you up for the challenge? Mm. I didn't say it's going to be easy. It's a challenge. I didn't say you're not going to stumble and fail sometimes. It's a challenge. But are you up for it? Are you at that point where you're saying, God, that is what I want. That is who I am. You have created me for this purpose. I want to fulfill the purpose you have created me for. Worship in spirit and in truth because it's in worshiping the real God in the real way with real obedience that we can truly find the purpose and meaning of our lives. As Paul said in Colossians 3.17, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Give thanks to God the Father through him. Amen? Now, Pastor Chris, as you had chosen songs this morning, and yeah, worship team, you can come on up. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Does that mean only here in this room? It means here. I take the Holy Spirit with me, and in anything I do, and everything I do, and every thought and word and deed, everything. 